0: Humility is one of the most misrepresented subjects in character development. But contrary to popular opinion, humility is not bowing down one's head like a reed. Humility is not injecting sa or ma into every sentence. And definitely humility is not diminishing yourself to make other people feel comfortable. So what is humility? In this episode, I teach about true humility, why it is a superpower, And why lasting success will always remain elusive without it. Welcome to the Super Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Olaumi Brickway a transformational life coach and the creator of Super Abundant Woman, where we are teaching and equipping women who have a burning desire for significance to create an exceptionally successful and fulfilling life without burnout or stress. In the not-too-distant past, I myself was trapped in an agonizing cycle of failure and shame, with my mind constantly dominated by negative emotions. But my life was dramatically transformed beyond my wildest dreams when I began to live by the power and the wisdom of God's word. My mission is to teach others to experience the same. On the Super Abundant Life podcast, we have only one goal teach and empower Christians to take full advantage of their rights and privileges in Christ so they can build exceptionally successful lives. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad you're here. This is Olaumi Brigway, and welcome back to the podcast. Before I go on to talk about today's episode, I have a quick announcement for you. And it is that I'm going to be teaching a masterclass on Tuesday, the 22nd of November, titled The Unstoppable You. Okay, Tuesday, 22nd of November, 7.30 p.m. UK time, which is GMT. You can sign up for free with the link in the show notes of this episode, or if you follow me on Instagram, or Brickway, the link is also in my bio. In this masterclass, I want to share with you how you can crush your goals, audacious goals in 2023 even if you have experienced delays, frustrations, and failures in the past. I'm going to be sharing some really deep things that have helped me and have definitely helped my clients over the years. So please sign up for that. The link is in the show notes of this episode. Okay. So let's move on to today's episode, which is humility. You would have heard that in the intro. Now we have to talk about humility because (laughs) humility has has been bastardized, okay? People have misrepresented this thing. People have said humility is just keeping your mouth shut and not saying anything and all sorts of things. But if you actually look through scripture, and not just in scripture, if you observe experiences, if you're someone that researches, as I am, into people's successes, I love reading memoirs, I love reading biographies, autobiographies. One of the things you will realize that great people that have achieved phenomenal things in this world have in common is humility, which is weird because you would think that it takes ego, it takes being very pushy and all that in order to get to where you're going, but no. This thing called humility is a common factor in the lives of people that have either in the Bible been greatly used by God. Or if you observe people around you that have done amazing things in this world, there's a good measure of humility that they operate by. So if humility is that important, it means we must know what it is. We must truly be able to rightly divide it so that we can show up with true humility because there's one thing I have noticed without humility, success can never, ever be lasting because humility is how you keep growing. It's as simple as that. Consistent growth is not possible without humility. So today I'm going to be talking about why humility is a superpower and why success becomes elusive without a good dose of it okay so of course first of all the first thing i'm going to talk about is what is humility what exactly is humility because if we're going to get it right then surely the first step is to make sure we have the definition right so i'm going to go into the bible to actually see what god says about humility the true humility that god calls us to not what we've been taught to. Not what somebody has tried to shoot you down by saying, be humble, be humble. Not that kind. Let's see what God himself says about humility. And I'm going to read from Isaiah 58, which is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. I'm going to read it all the way and I'm going to then go on to define what humility is. So this is God responding to the Israelites. They basically had been complaining. They said, God, where are you? You haven't been showing up, etc. And then God responds to them through the prophet Isaiah. So Isaiah 53 to 8 says, Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? So let me pause there. These guys, in their view, in their own opinion, they had been humbling themselves before god they had a great dose of quote-unquote humility or humblity, <laughs> as you like to joke about according to them they were being very humble they had humbled themselves before god but of course there was no results which is why when you are doing something and you think you're doing the right thing the results literally will be the judge of whether you're actually doing it right they went to God and they asked questions. We was the right thing to do to say, we thought we were being humble. We thought we we're doing everything that you're asking us to do, but ha, ah, there are no results. So can you please explain this to us? Then he says, behold, in the day of your fast, so God responds to them. And he says, behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure. You oppress all your workers behold you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high is such the fast that i choose is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the lord is not this the fast so god now begins to describe what he means about being humble Because he was saying the equivalent of you humbling yourselves is fasting, okay? But this is what I actually need you to do if you say you want to humble yourself. And then he goes on to say that, is this not the fast that I choose to lose the bond of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked to cover him, not to hide yourself from your own flesh. And then he now says something really powerful. He says, once you humble yourself in that way, he says, then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring forth speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rare God. Now you're saying, ah, how is this more humility? How is feeding the poor humility? How is helping the homeless humility? And that's a very good question. But listen to this quote by C.S. Lewis, which will help us put things in a proper perspective where humility is concerned. C.S. Lewis says, humility is not thinking less of yourself meaning degrading yourself, thinking I'm not good enough, I can't do it, and all those things that people say humility is. But it says humility is thinking of yourself less. Now, you can see that in Isaiah 55, when they said, we have humbled ourselves with fasting and all these things. Meanwhile, in the time of quote-unquote humbling, they were oppressing other people. They were cheating other people. They were putting themselves first above other people. And God said, that's not humility. Humility is actually thinking of, of yourself less and thinking of other people more literally taking your resources and not just stuffing your own resources into your own life and making your own life become bloated but taking of your excess and using it to actually help other people feeding the hungry etc so God said humility is literally thinking of yourself less not thinking less of yourself which is what people have turned humility to bowing down the head like a reed, shrinking yourself so that people will feel more comfortable. That's not humility. And that kind of quote-unquote humility is not going to cause your light to break forth. The one that will cause your light to break forth, where season to season you will be going from glory to glory, is what God has described here. Putting other people in your view and wanting to be a blessing to humanity and not making everything about yourself yeah so let's look at the opposite of humility what's the opposite of humility everyone can agree with me that it is pride or arrogance and what is pride or arrogance it is an inordinate preoccupation with self pride or arrogance or the opposite of humility is an inordinate preoccupation with self So if you say someone is proud or someone is arrogant, you're talking about someone who only thinks of themselves. You're talking about someone who believes they're better than anyone and everyone and therefore acts accordingly. You're talking about someone who can recognize their own flaws and limitations. They can very easily point out flaws and limitations in other people, but they think they're perfect. They don't have flaws or limitations. That's pride. That's arrogance. But humility, on the other hand, is saying, listen, it's not only about me. All right. It is not about me. It's about the bigger agenda. There's a bigger agenda that God has called me to. There's a bigger purpose. And it is about the group being more important than the sum of its parts. So how do I define humility? Bearing in mind that God said in Isaiah 58, that without humility, his kind of humility, that your light will not break forth. Okay, so breakthroughs will be limited or impossible without exercising what God calls humility. So I define humility as acknowledging that at any given moment, the key to your next level is in someone else's hands. This is how I define humility. Whether that key is the wisdom you need to go to the next level, whether that key is the information you need or access or resources you need to go to the next level. That's first part. And then acknowledging that the way you show up in life will determine how often and how quickly you are able to access those keys. So in other words, if I go around making myself feel superior and loading myself over other people and rubbishing other people's ideas and think I'm superior to everyone else. Somebody in my environment, him, whose hands is the key to my next level. I'm going to despise them. I'm going to rubbish their opinions and their ideas. I'm going to treat them anyhow. And if I if I go around oppressing people, treating people anyhow, of course they're not going to open the door to me. They're going to deny me access. If God had put access to my own next level in the hands of that person and I go and despise them, treat them anyhow, oppress them, of course that access is going to be denied me. So should I repeat that again? Humility is acknowledging that at any given moment, The key to your next level is in someone else's hands. And I love to use this as an example. Look at Jesus. First of all, Jesus, the entirety of his purpose on earth. You can sum up Jesus' time on earth as a very, very good example. Great example of humility. The Bible says that he being equal with God literally laid everything down to take up the form of a man he humbled himself. Why? So that humanity can be saved. He said, it's not about me. It's about humanity. It's about the father. So I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to lay all these things down in order for the greater good to be achieved. And one example that I love is when Jesus was about to go into his ministry. So he had been on earth for about 30 years. And this was a time where literally God was saying, okay, you're ready. We're going to launch you into your ministry but in order for that to happen he had to be baptized by john actually no in order for him to be successful in ministry he needed the holy spirit so he needed the holy spirit but the way he was going to have the holy spirit or access the holy spirit was through baptism by john so he knew that so when he went to john and he said baptize me and John was like, ah, ah, how can I baptize you? I'm not even worthy to tie your shoes, etc. I can't carry your sandals. And remember that the baptism of John was a repentance of sins. So Jesus was actually identifying himself as a sinner. Like somebody that had never sinned. Even in his thoughts. I mean, I don't know how. He had never thought a bad thought towards somebody. He had never sinned. But he had to humble himself and identify with sinners in order for the most important resource he needed to be successful in his ministry to come to him. That was the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Let it be so. This I cannot escape this. I need to humble myself. And the moment he did that, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. So you can see that when you begin to look at humility like that, you will fight ego and arrogance with everything inside you. And the truth is every single one of us, we all have a level of ego and arrogance, some more than others. But when you understand that, this thing is actually going to shut off my light. It says that I just read it to you in Isaiah 58. How can it be a weakness if it's going to literally open doors for me in the future? Okay, so that is how I define humility. Now, what I want to read out very quickly, so I'm lit- I've written it down. I'm not going to explain it because of time. I'm just going to literally read out what does humility look like? What are 15 telltale signs of humility? So this will help you begin to examine yourself. And to say that, am I really a humble person? Not what you've been told about humility. Like you're a woman, you shouldn't be speaking and all those kind of nonsense. Yes? Alright? 15 telltale signs of humility. I'm going to read it out very quickly. Alright? Are you ready? The first one is, when you lose an opportunity to someone else, you can congratulate them. And learn from the experience so you can learn from failure you can look at failure and not start blaming people and start pointing fingers and accusing people you are humble enough to say ah okay there must be something that is missing that i haven't yet done and you're able to sit down reflect on it and do what is required that's number one number two is you are open to and you act Seek constructive criticism. You take it on board to fuel your own development. If you are the kind of person that you don't want to hear any kind of criticism, the moment somebody begins to say, Well, maybe you could have done it this way, something inside you. We'll rise up like a flood. Like, hey, how dare you? You may not say how dare you, but you're thinking it in your head. You're already tightening up. You're already starting to get defensive. You have to check it. The third one is you offer those behind you a hand up instead of trying to keep them down. It is ego that keeps the ones that are behind us down because you feel that that ego wants to be superior Ego wants to lord itself over other people. So ego would say that, ah, that team member of mine is shiny. You know, my boss is starting to notice them. And ego wants to sabotage that person because ego wants to remain the top dog. Okay. <laughs> Number four, you admit when you make mistakes. That's self-explanatory. Number five, you don't always need to be right. It is a sign of arrogance. If you see somebody that just will argue and argue to the end, as in they will not stop, they will keep going until they have the last word. That's not cute. Some people think, oh, you know, they, they're just very knowledgeable. They're not knowledgeable. That person is extremely arrogant. That's arrogance because what is happening is you're shutting down the sources of new information into your own life. If you always need to be right, because you can't always be right. It's a deception to think that you can always be right. So being open. The next one is you are not offended if you don't receive credit. (laughs) So they didn't mention your name. You are the one that put all the work in. You are the one that gave the largest donation. You are the one that gave the suggestion and the idea that made the project succeed. Jesus definitely told us that if you do your work to be noticed by men and they applaud you, you've already received your reward. But do it in secret so that... The God who sees in secret will reward you openly. Does that mean we should bend our head like a reed and say, oh, you've done absolutely well. Oh, no, no, oh, no. That's not humility either. But if they don't give you credit, you don't take offense, you don't get bitter and go and start attacking people Two completely different things. If they give you credit where it's due, accept it, thank them and move on ego would then now take that credit that has been given and dwell on it and bring it up at every subsequent meeting after I'm the one that no, 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 no. Accept it, acknowledge it, say thank you and move on. If they refuse to give you credit, it's okay, move on. The God that sees in secret will reward you openly. Number seven, you're comfortable asking for help and you don't act like you have all the answers, you are comfortable forsaking ego for the sake of growth. Asking for help, asking people for help. Some people, ah, asking for help is like, ah, what if they they will now know that I don't know it? That's ego. And that ego is trying to stop you from moving forward. Number eight, you're eager to learn. So you listen and you remain open to other people's ideas, opinions, and insights. Number nine, you treat people with kindness, compassion, and respect. Why? Why is that humility? If you go out, for example, to dinner and there's a waiter that maybe didn't serve you well or did something and you start to shout on them. That's arrogance basically saying you have the right because you're superior to this person to start shouting at them. It is arrogance to think that because God created all of us equal. Nobody's higher than anyone else. So when I have that view, then I will treat people with kindness, with respect, with compassion. Right? The compassion part is important because you are saying, oh, it may be you that is in trouble now. It could be me tomorrow. It is arrogance to look at somebody that has fallen today and treat them anyhow and judge them because you are forgetting that the same thing could happen to you tomorrow. You are thinking, no, me, I'm exempt. It is ego to think that you are exempt. Number 10, you don't try to manage the people in your life through fear, aggression, or intimidation. Number 11, you recognize there's always more to learn and you take action to continue your own learning journey. Number 12, you are able to learn from everyone around you, whether big or small, successful or not. 11 and 12 are different 11 says no matter how high i go there's always something new to learn number 12 says you can learn from anyone do you know i've had people tell me there's only a handful of people that i can really relate with on the intellectual capacity level and that i can truly truly listen to and learn from and in my mind i'm like wow yeah i'm really missing out though." do you know that you can learn from a two-year-old do you know that the bible says go and look at the ant and learn from the ant so it is ego. It is arrogance to think that some people are just not smart enough for me to learn from. It's not true. You can learn from somebody's failure. You say, oh, this person did not succeed. No, you can learn from their failure. So you can learn from everyone around you, whether they're successful or not, whether they're big or small. Number 13, you look for ways to recognize and celebrate other people's accomplishments and contributions. You don't try to grab credit for yourself. Fourteen, when things go wrong, you hold yourself accountable for the role you played and don't try to shift blame to others. And the last one, 15, you put the needs of the whole above yours and you don't try to prioritize yourself over the greater good. So someone leads a team, you always consider the final outcome of the team and go for that rather than your own outcome and say ah, as long as me I come out of this with promotion, it doesn't matter if the project fail. No, God, God is looking at things like that. You have to understand that. Okay? So now I'm going to go into the Bible and walk you through a humility case study. I want to show you what it really means to be humble. This scripture Blew my mind when I began to look at it from the lens of humility. And it is the Syrophoenician woman. Have you ever read that scripture? The woman that went to Jesus. And you would think that, oh, this woman had great faith, which is what Jesus said. But do you know what was the fuel for her great faith? It was humility. It was her humility that made her achieve the outcome, which was a healing for her daughter. And I'm just going to go through this very quickly. And after that, I will then walk you through why you must actively cultivate humility in your life. Why God is so particular about humility and the benefit of humility. Okay. All right. So let's get into this woman's story. It's in Matthew 15, 22 to 28, and I'm going to read it in portions, explain the lesson and do it that way essentially. So it says that a woman of Canaan came and cried out to Jesus saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. So I can imagine that this woman's heart was breaking. I can imagine that she had run from pillar to post, trying to help her daughter. I would imagine that she had done all sorts, given all sorts, whatever it is, but nothing had worked. And so she heard that there's this guy called Jesus that is able to cast out demons with only one word. And like, ah, I'm going there. So she goes and the first thing is this woman addressed Jesus by one of his messianic titles, son of David, thus calling for mercy. So the first thing we must understand about humility is everything you have, everything you are, everything you will ever become, everything you will ever have is always given on the platform of mercy. (laughs) even people that say i'm an atheist i don't believe in god the oxygen they are breathing in how did he get there the brain that they have to be thinking and rationalizing that it can't be there can't be no god where did that brain come from do you understand so it is always on the platform of mercy when you approach life like that it will keep you humble Because it's very easy to go around saying, yes, you know, I went to this school, I got this degree, I performed excellently and outstandingly on that project and that is why I've been promoted. All that is true. But who is really the source of all those things? Who is the source of the open door that allowed you to get onto that program? Who is the source that gave you the intelligence to be able to even decipher what you're reading and to be able to comprehend? When you begin to understand that, it is so important because it will keep you humble like there's nothing that I have that I have not received. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above it comes from god it is given on the platform of mercy when you know that you are a recipient of mercy it will keep you humble and you will be a dispatcher of mercy to other people You look at somebody and you will say, oh, even though it looks like they don't deserve it, how can I still help this person? Because I don't deserve the things that have come into my own life as well. When you look at it from the point of view of there's a source that was good to you and chose to bless you. And that is why anything you have has come into your life. So that's the first thing that we must understand about humility. When you view life that Nothing I have has been given to me except on the platform of God's mercy, including salvation, including Jesus Christ coming to die for you. We did not earn it. We didn't deserve it. The Bible says we were enemies when Christ died for us. So she came on the immediately on the platform of mercy. So I'll keep reading. He says, but Jesus answered her not a word. He answered her not a word. He just blanked her. And of course, it means that this woman kept on talking because the next thing we read is and says that his disciples came and urged him saying, send her away for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So what can I deduce from this? Look at this. In the face of prejudice, silence, exclusion, rebuff, this woman persisted. We must ask why? Why was she able to persist? Because honestly, for some of us, myself included, okay, you want to achieve something amazing. You say, Yes, this is what I'm going to do. And when the wind begins to blow in the contrary direction, sometimes we just fall down, yakata, like, oh God, why is this happening? And there's no fight. There's no fight in us so to actually get up and say, No, I'm going to go for it. So we have to ask questions like, in spite of the fact that this Jesus himself blanked this woman. Number one. Number two, the disciples came and were basically pushing her and saying, go away, go away, you are disturbing us. She still persisted. She still persisted. Two reasons. And those two reasons are rooted in humility. Number one, she made it about her daughter's healing and not her own reputation. I mean, if you think about it, if she had been offended, it should have been like, ah, ah, hey, see, come and say all these people. Hey, what are we asking? What are they saying? Hey, because I came here. Do you know who I am? <laughs> the same way Naaman, that I had leprosy, I was like, do you know who I am? There are better rivers in my country. You're not asking me to go and wash in the dirty Jordan. Thank God somebody spoke sense into him. That was arrogance talking now. She could have said, do you know who I am? That you're even, not not only are you not answering me. Imagine you going to stand in front of somebody and then you ask them a question and they just turn their head. And they just ignore you. What kind of insult is that she could have gotten offended but do you know why she persisted number one she made it about somebody else which is what God was saying in Isaiah 58 don't make it about yourself think less of yourself so she was thinking about her daughter that mm, it doesn't matter whether they answer me or not whether they push me away or not mm-hmm I let go of my own reputation what they do to me doesn't matter as long as my daughter gets healed number two She recognized that the only reason she was being denied access was because there was something she lacked. It was not about them. It was about her. Let me explain what I mean by that. You know, we're using this case study now of a rejection. So somebody applies for a job. Okay. Or they apply for a promotion and they feel like, oh, I've nailed it. I've nailed it. And they walk into the room. And they feel like I absolutely deserve this because in the last six months, I completely nailed it and they walk into the room and on the panel. So let's say this person is black and they walk into the room and on the panel, there are six white men there. <laughs> I don't know which kind of job will be that you'll be six, my white men, but hypothetically, okay, six white men, not no woman no black or brown person or anything like that six white men and they go into this into this interview and they believe that they absolutely they answered all the questions well they did everything right etc and their track record shows that they should get the job And so on. And then they walk out of that meeting and then they get a phone call later on and say, you were really brilliant at the interview, etc." However, we have decided to give the job to somebody else because we don't think you are the best fit or we think they're a better fit for the job. Now, this is where this woman was at. What she wanted, she was literally being denied it. Now, you can take that rejection and say, ah, all these racists. All this, uh, what's your, uh, um, what's the other one of Like when is gender? I don't, genderists. <laughs> I don't know. The word just literally flew out of my head. So racial or oh, oh, gender bias, they're being biased against me. They did not give it to me. They went and gave it to, to a man, a white man, just like them, etc., etc. Listen, the moment you start to say that you have removed yourself from the game. Because even if what you're saying is correct, that they looked at it and they thought, no, the only person that can do this job is a white man like us. Even if what you're saying is correct, the same way Jesus, what Jesus was saying was absolutely correct, right? Jesus was saying, God did not send me to Gentiles. He has sent me to what? Jews. Jews even if what you're saying is correct by acknowledging and speaking out of your mouth that it is because they are racist that they didn't give it to me guess what's going to happen you are not going to persist without thing you're not going to begin to ask questions you're not going to ask for feedback you're not going to say okay if that is the case i didn't get this job why didn't i get this job what adjustments do i need to make within myself so that the next time i go before an interview panel i will scale the obstacle Do you understand what I'm saying? Because it could actually be your own image inside you. You may already be prejudiced against white men. You don't know that prejudice works both ways. You think prejudice is only towards you. You can be prejudiced too. And because you're already prejudiced, when you go into that interview, your body language is already high strong. When they're asking you questions, you're answering in a kind of sort of dismissive way because you're like, all these ones are just racist. Don't you know that it will come out as well? So you can learn something from that by persisting by saying can you give me some feedback i need some honest feedback and they could tell you that well you had all the knowledge but there was no chemistry in terms of being able to be a part of that team and when you sit down the holy spirit will now open it to you and say what they're really saying about chemistry is you were high strong you already were prejudiced against them so when they were asking you questions you were already like being defensive or You were intimidated and so because you were intimidated, the way you would have answered that question, if you were feeling very confident, you didn't show up. The confident you didn't show up, the intimidated you showed up and that was what they judged you based on. The point I'm making is humility recognizes that it is not them, it is me. Whenever you come against a shut door, humility says, what is in me? that needs correction in order for me to open this door instead of automatically arrogance and ego will automatically blame somebody else. So this woman was amazing in that she just kept going. She just kept going. Her humility allowed her to acknowledge the truth about her situation. Jesus said, I was not sent to you. If she had received that information, she could have been offended. She could have said, oh, you're not sent to me. Look at them had no need. All these Jewish people, there's something wrong with them. They're just so prejudiced. In other words, if you make rejection about others, so you are rejected for something. If you make it about others, what you're saying is you're absolutely perfect. And there are no adjustments that you need to make. And that is never the case. There is always an adjustment that will open that door if you are just humble enough to acknowledge it and to go forward with it. So silence is not really God saying no. A closed door is not God saying no. A closed door is an indication that in order to gain access, there's certain adjustments that you need to make. So let me move on. Then he says, when Jesus said, this is the reason why you are being denied access, she did not get offended. And he says, then she came and worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. The humility prompted her to now say, oh, okay, now I get it. This is how I was showing up at the interview. Now I'm going to go and work on that. I need help. She accepted the feedback with humility and then she asked for help in order to overcome it. Do you see? So I'm trying to walk you through this in my story room. I read and say, Oh, why well, she had great faith. Why did she have great faith? Because she had great humility. It is impossible to actually walk in great faith without great humility because this life will test you. The obstacles will come and blow you <laughs> and you hit the floor. And if you if you are somebody that does not walk in humility, you will literally get up and you will be blaming everybody, you will be bitter, etc. So her great faith was rooted in great humility. She was like, Oh, you're not sent to, okay, Lord, help me. I acknowledge that this is the obstacle. I'm not, I'm not going to start abusing you people. Help me overcome this situation so that I also can gain access. Now, do you know, Jesus now gave her the key in the next thing that he said. Oh, this is so important. She didn't stomp away. She did not abuse them. She said, help me overcome this limitation. It is inside me. It is not about you people. It is about me. So it says that Jesus answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Ah, so let me explain that. Let me, because I'm sticking with something like racism because people sometimes use this as the reason why they don't progress in the career space. Any small thing they'll say is because they're being racist against me. When you when you probe that thing a little bit more, and listen, like I said earlier, you may be right, that that is exactly why they say that this one is black female, Nigerian. Ah, no, we're not giving this job to her. This is a high level job. We're not giving it to her. And you get offended, right? And you stomp away. But if you, with humility, begin to ask questions, ask for feedback, what they are really saying, they will tell you. So it could actually be that from experience, the last two black African Nigerian women they employed, after a while, maybe those particular two women began to slack off. Maybe they began to cause contention in the office. Maybe something happened. Now, is that representative of every Nigerian black woman? Of course not. But we are human beings. Human beings like to group things together for the sake of efficiency. So if one person that looks a certain way, treats you a certain way, the brain basically says, ah, listen, there's no point. Let's just group all this. Everybody that looks like this, behaves like this. So it's a human thing. You think you, you yourself, you do it as well. You do it too. So maybe their own experience, it was just a coincidence that two people, the two previous people they had, they looked like this and they formed an opinion based that, that literally painted the whole, um, the whole race. All black women are like this. So when this woman persisted in humility, Jesus now explained why he had said that I can't help you because you are a Gentile. He said that, I, how am I supposed to, and he painted a picture and he said, imagine children eating at the table and then the child has not eaten even one bite. You know, I carry all the bread that will nourish the child and you say, ah, child, no, you can't have it. I'm going to give it to the dog that is lying under the table. You step this woman that you're asking me to help you. Would you do that? So she was like, ah, I see, I understand what you're saying. Ah, I get it. I get it. I get it. Oh, I see why you are saying that you can't give me this job. Let me actually use myself as an example. When I was passed over for a promotion and I went and I asked for feedback, they said, you're not visible enough. They said, you're not visible. So at first the obvious reason was the person that was given the job was friends with the senior manager. She was really tight. She had built relationships with a lot of the senior members, the senior leaders. And as a result of that, she was the obvious choice. We like this person, she's a hard worker, and we know her. And me, if I had simply gotten offended by that, uh-huh by that external reason like they just gave it to their friend they just gave it to somebody they're going to the pub to drink beer with and all that and i did not dig deeper and it was not uh, if you have heard this story this thing wasn't like oh i'm just going to humble myself and go. i was i had you know <laughs> i was ready to leave i was i was like i'm leaving this place arrogance ego was the first reaction until god said what are you doing And he also used my head of department to say, "Uh, uh, why don't you go and ask for feedback first? So when I went to ask for feedback, what I interpreted as they gave it to their friends, underlying that was actually, it's because you're not visible. And once I got that, I said, I'm not visible. Oh, now I've got it. And then I committed to being visible. So Jesus was saying that the reason why I can't attend to you because you're a dental, which may look sort of like prejudice, is because try and imagine giving the children's bread to a dog. You two, be like, ah, what are you doing? That's wrong. So you must say, ah, now I see. Now look at this because Jesus painted it in that context. She now said, yes, Lord, I agree with you. You're absolutely right. However, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. So it's like me saying, oh, I get it. I was not visible enough. Even though I was doing all this work and I was qualified for the job and the promotion, people didn't really know me. So, ah, now I see. Okay, I'm going to make the adjustment. And that's exactly what that woman did. Once just painted in that context, and you will not get to the point where you will find out the underlying context if you're already arrogant enough to be offended and you've stomped away. Do you see what I mean? You can see how humility plays a huge role in these things, right? People are saying, I've not been promoted and somebody has been telling you that why don't you do it this way? But you're like, "Uh -uh, no, no, no. And you've been resisting like, no, the way I know it is the way I'm going to do it. And you're now complaining that the door is not opening to you to your next level of finances. When she pressed further in humility and Jesus opened it up to her, she was like, oh, got it. But the crumbs can also be given to the dog. And the same bread you are giving to the children is the same quality of bread that's in the crumbs. So it's the same thing. And Jesus said, wow, oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. You can see that it was humility that triggered this woman's breakthrough. It really was humility. It was humility. Okay. All right. So let me now move on to wrap up this episode as I talk about why you must actively cultivate humility. What are the benefits of humility? Why does God want us to develop in this character trait? The first one, probably the most important one, is that humility keeps you open-minded. Whew. Humility keeps you open-minded. Pride blinds the eyes. Notice that in Isaiah 58, when God said, this is how you humble yourself. And when you've done it that way, he said that your light shall break forth. Pride blinds the eyes and excludes you from the very success that you are desperately pursuing. So some people are working extra hard, they're toiling for something that they say they want, but the door keeps getting shut. Why? Because they're walking around with pride and arrogance. Ego. They will never listen to anybody's opinion. They will never open themselves to new ways of doing things. Now, one example that I want to give you to illustrate this is this. If you're listening to me and you are born again, you know that your salvation is the most precious thing that you have ever received. Jesus came and he presented the same thing the opportunity to become sons of God to the Pharisees. But they Listen, they rejected him vehemently, constantly, consistently. They were so inordinately focused on who they thought the savior should be that they rejected who God chose. As a result of that, they missed out on what they really wanted, which was salvation. Do you know that all those things of putting all the laws and them spending how many hours a day studying the Torah and all those? So they were working extremely hard to try and lay hold of salvation. But when God said, this is how you do it, this is... Who is going to bring in the salvation? Because they were so arrogant. They were not humble. They didn't even say, okay. From our own experience, we thought that the Messiah would be somebody that, like a very, very Moses-like kind of character. Somebody that is, you know, carrying a rod around and will part the Red Sea and all those kind of things. Somebody that is majestic. Because, you know, that Moses grew up in the palace. So they had this picture of somebody that that looked majestic, that looked kingly, as I like to say. But Jesus came looking very humble. Where he sat down and slapped up and down, checking up and down the whole place. He didn't even have donkeys safe. They're like, you, you, how, di- how can you even say that you are deceived? And they couldn't wrap their heads around it. So when somebody, that's why one of the, one of the traits that I read about humility is even if there is something that you're absolutely convinced about, you think you're convinced about it. You have a conviction about it. If somebody else presents something different, at least be open-minded enough to check. But they were not even willing to check. Even though Jesus presented them with evidence after evidence after evidence. If I go to the point that Jesus said, if half of the miracles that I've shown you guys had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, and imagine how evil Sodom and Gomorrah was. said, if I had done the miracles, only a handful, in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented. So they were so hard-hearted, like, no, they were arrogant. No, 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 this is where we would do it. And as a result of that, they missed out on salvation. In fact, I'm going to read a scripture to you. This was Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. And he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who are sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you would have none of it. Look, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me from now until you say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Meaning you are so fixated on how you think this thing would happen. You are so fixated that the way you've been doing it is the right way. Meanwhile, God is trying to get abundance to you on every level. He has tried. He has brought people into your space. You look at the person and say, what does this one know? Who are you that you are saying all these things? And these things are subconscious, though. Honestly, it takes pr- you need to be praying in the Holy Spirit and saying, God, open my eyes. That's why you must continually pray Ephesians 4, 17 to 21 and scriptures like that. Lord, open my eyes. Give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Because you'll be absolutely convinced that you are right. Meanwhile, you are so wrong. You're so absolutely completely wrong. He's been trying to tell you that this is the way in this new level, you have to change. The old wine skin must be renewed. The way, the new way to do it will be counterintuitive. It won't be something that readily occurs to you. So there must be some openness, some flexibility. And humility is what allows you to be open and flexible. Do you understand that? So humility keeps light coming to you. Pride, on the other hand, or arrogance, or ego, will blind the eyes. And people will begin to walk in darkness. Do you understand that? Yeah. So these guys, they despised who God has sent to come and give them the message, right? So it's not just the knowledge itself, but it's also who is bringing it. Jesus said that they were stoning all the prophets that God was sending. Even Jesus himself, they crucified him because the messenger didn't look like someone they approved of. So that's why he said you can learn from a two-year-old, from a baby that's just been born out of the womb, that starts to cry. You can learn. So this idea of, oh, it's only you know certain kinds of people that have my intellectual capacity, that that is the highest form of arrogance. And if you go and watch people like that, they never really go that fine life. That's the truth. It's the honest truth. So that's why we have to be very vigilant and to literally keep asking the Holy Spirit, please open my eyes. Help me to remain humble so I can be open-minded to the new things that you're showing me. The second one, the second benefit of humility is this. Humility significantly increases people's ability to trust you or what they call in the business world, your trust quotient. Trust, you'll agree with me. Trust is absolutely essential in any kind of relationship and at every level of leadership and leadership is not limited to the career space. You lead a team. Leadership is in the home. You lead your children. Leadership is everywhere, right? Any kind of relationship. If trust is broken, it is difficult for that relationship to thrive. If trust is broken in a marriage, it is difficult for that marriage to thrive. If trust is broken in your parenting, it's difficult for your children to listen to you. So trust is essential. If people cannot trust you, they will not entrust to you whatever it is that is valuable to them. Whether it is their attention, whether it is their resources. And this is also, you know, related to people that have the key to your next level. Do you understand that? So if they can't trust you, they will not give you that promotion. Okay. So humility significantly increases people's ability to trust you. Now, why is that? is that? Let me read to you a quote from Nelson Mandela. And he said that humility is one of the most important qualities you must have. If you are humble, if you make people realize that you are no threat to them, then people will embrace you and will listen to you. So the way you relate with people, if somebody goes around and they're very arrogant and they have this ego and they want to, press people down they want they'll always go around with this air of superiority it will make it hard for people to trust them do you know why because they always present themselves like it is always about them and if you go into a space and people think ah this one does not think about the whole team it is always about them they will throw you under the bus if it means that them getting that promotion they're not going to trust you they're not going to trust you and if they can't trust you they will not give themselves to you they will not listen they will shut down if you bring an idea even if that idea is what is going to help move the project forward they will sort of be skeptical and will not really want to listen because they'll be thinking is this guy just trying to line his own pockets do you see that So what are the qualities of a trustworthy leader? So how can you begin to develop yourself as a leader that is considered trustworthy? Number one, you have to treat people as more important than yourself. You have to consider that the whole team is greater than the sum of its parts. Individual contribution cannot be greater than the team contribution. On the surface, it may look like, oh, you are the one that is putting in all the work. You are the one that is generating all the ideas. But you must understand that if there's somebody on the team that all they do in that team is take notes, they're still contributing. And without them, you would not have achieved what the team would achieve. So treat people as more important than yourself. The second thing you can do to develop yourself as a trustworthy leader is to give give credit for successes where it's due rather than trying to grab it for yourself. This is what makes people not trust leaders. They become skeptical. And if they become skeptical, they think they can't trust you. They're not going to give all of themselves. If they have an idea, they will withhold it and say, Hey, I'm going to share it now. That's how this guy would carry my idea and go to the you know board meeting. and say it's his idea. They will, they will withhold, <laughs> they will withhold, right? As a trustworthy leader, you will bear the heat for the disappointments rather than blaming your team. Ultimately, it is your responsibility right wait when people observe these kind of things they'll be like wow do you think if you take responsibility they'll be like ah well that means you can go and make more mistakes and do more you know take more bad judgment Uh, do you think that really would be the reaction when you take responsibility and you say i put my hand up i'm the leader of this team and i take responsibility for this no They'll look at it and say, oh, wow, this person took responsibility. I meet and I had a part to play in it. So I'm going to make sure that next time I'm going to do my best so that this person doesn't meet out on whatever it is so that they don't bear the consequence. I'm going to, I'm going to increase my productivity so that they can get some reward. This is how people would respond. But ego would say, no, 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 no. I refuse to take responsibility. It's your fault. And they will put the blame on somebody else. A trustworthy leader would praise their people for their accomplishments and allow them their chance in the spotlight. Ego would never give other people the spotlight. It is afraid to be seen as not being the star of the team, which is a problem. If you have someone that maybe you watch football, which is a team sport, you notice that when they bring in like a new superstar striker or something and the guy only wants the ball and he only wants to score He's not a team player after a while you know what will happen they will just cut the guy off they'll just be passing <laughs> he'll be waving and waving and say give me the ball i'm near the ball. i'm in the best position this is human nature i'm telling you they will just bypass the person and pass the ball to somebody else and after a while because he stops scoring he will get benched and the next thing you hear is they are selling the player off allow other people to shine because the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. A trustworthy leader will seek feedback and ideas from their team. How am I doing? Did I do well? Okay. What do you want me to do? Right? Did I do well? Oh, I didn't do well. Oh, what should I do better? As well as ideas. The next one is a trustworthy leader allows their team to partner with them rather than ruling over them through micromanagement. Listen, if you approach leadership like there's something important inside you as well, there's something inside you I want you to to grow in your career. And let me actually bring this into, into parenting. Do you know that it is ego for a parent to be doing either doing everything for their child or micromanaging the life of that child, because you are saying that child does not have a substance in them that God puts inside them. You are belittling what God has put inside that child. You will not let the child make decisions. You will not let the child actually stand up on their feet and be independent. Why? Because you don't think God has put something special in the child. You may say, no, no, that's not true. But I'm telling you that that is what you're doing. This is arrogance. You have to trust absolutely that God has put something inside that child that is special and allow them stand on their feet to develop it. Listen to the ideas. If they say, this is what I want to be in the future, don't say, eh, no, you must go and read medicine. Eh, how can you? Ah, ah. Were you there when God created the child? Were you there when God had a secret conversation with the child before God then now sent the child into your womb? You were not there. You don't know what God has written in purpose and the blueprint for this child's life. You just have an idea. God is just revealing parts of it to you, but the child knows the full story because the child was there. The child had a conversation with God, and tells this one. He said, "No, no, no, you can't say that. You can't say that. It's arrogance." So, a trustworthy leader allows their team the freedom to use their skills, their intelligence, even when doing so will reveal the leader's own limitations. Do you know how many people through arrogance would literally produce a mediocre work at the end of the day? Because there's somebody that can present better than you at that meeting. But you're like, no, how can they go and shine? And then you go and present and you don't, you do it like a quarter of the way the person could have presented it, But you don't want the person to shine. Do you understand? So you allow your team, you give them the freedom to use their skills, their intelligence, their gifts Even if it's going to show you up and show that you're not very good in that area. But that's why it's a team. Their strength is for your own weakness. And the final benefit, final reason why we must cultivate humility is actually that humility makes you attractive. Have you ever been around somebody that is arrogant? You just you don't, it's not pleasant you, you don't really want to hang around them because there's only about they will talk about them, them 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 if you try and interject and say oh this is what they they won't even allow you two seconds they'll they'll, they'll they'll say oh really and then go back for the next hour to be talking about them they're always wanting to boast about what they're doing and what they've achieved and the thing about it is when people like to boast like that after a while it, lie will enter because they always want to make themselves feel superior to other people. So after a while, you notice that they will start exaggerating. you will start off with exaggeration. Then exaggeration will graduate into absolute and outright lying. They'll start lying. They'll start lying because they have to feel superior to other people. So humility is an extremely attractive quality. Think about the people that you, you like the most, that you respect the most. Go ahead and check it. it is because they are humble. When you demonstrate humility, people feel valued and comfortable around you. They enjoy that time with you because you don't make it about yourself. You're always looking out to lift other people up, to invest in other people. And people love that. They want to hang around you. But when somebody exudes ego, people will either feel inferior around that person or just simply find that person irritating. Irritating. Either way, they will avoid you. They'll say, Well, oh, that guy is arrogant. No, we can't bring him into the team. He's arrogant, right? Okay. So that's it. I've tried to break it down and show exactly what humility is because I've realized that humility is the secret ingredient without this secret ingredient. People would just be circling mountains. They may be working hard they may have all it takes but when this is missing they won't even the eyes will not even be open to see the door to take that will take them into that next level so if it's so important then we must truly know what it really is not false or fake humility not humility. <laughs> Alright, Real humility. And then we have to definitely begin to develop ourselves in it. So I hope that's helped you. And I'll be back in the next episode. Do not forget that the Unstoppable You Masterclass is taking place 22nd of November, 2022, 7.30 p.m. UK time, which is also GMT. And the link for you to sign up is in the show notes. I hope to see you there. Bye.